Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Critics on a Bus. How are you doing today, Cameron? I am doing wonderfully, Paul. How are you doing? As ever, I am also doing wonderfully. What are we reviewing today? Today we are reviewing a Netflix original, The Trial of Chicago 7. Indeed, yes. Uh, this film has been getting a, a fair amount of hype, I would say. Do you agree? Mm. Yeah, big cast. Uh, yeah, sense. big, big cast. Yeah. Um, so let's dive right in. The Trial of the Chicago 7. It's a historical courtroom drama and it follows seven well actually eight people who were on trial linked to events protest events from 1968 which happened in chicago as the title would suggest at the democratic national convention it is directed by aaron sorkin who is better known as a writer he's been a writer on a number of notable pieces of work uh, such as a few good men and the social network and so forth but this is actually his only his second film that he's directed he directed molly's game which i never actually got to did you get to molly's game no with jessica tassin no so yeah aaron sorkin directs it and like you say it has an all-star cast we have Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Frank Langella. I mean, the the list just goes on and on. Every uh, member of this cast you've probably seen as something else. You have a sprinkling of Oscars throughout the cast. It's it's a very impressive cast. Uh, so, as ever, we're going to start with a spoiler-free section, and we're going to ask three questions, starting with... What did you like about this film, Cameron? I liked uh, a fair few things. First of all, I liked the tone and the the feeling of the film. It was meant to make you feel a bit on edge and a bit tense. I felt that through the entire thing. I liked the various performances. I think this film might have one of the best film villains of 2020, if not the best film villain. (laughs) (laughs) um certainly yeah i I just i really liked the 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 compelling and relevant nature of this film i think it came out at a very poignant time obviously made before its relevance was so keenly felt but i think um it's come out at such a time and and it's it's such a hard-hitting nature and the the big thing i liked is it's unapologetic Mm. it forces the audience to uh live some horrible moments and doesn't shy away from it, doesn't try and, and gloss over it in Hollywood. It's very raw in some of the things it shows and does. And I think that is a necessary statement. And I applaud the bravery of being so raw in film. And I think it was handled amazingly well. Um, so I loved the open nature of the film as well. Yeah, I would echo a lot of what you said there. I, I felt that the performances were strong around the board. I thought that, yes, of course, this was topical. I feel like for the, for the most part, we'll come into it, for the most part, it handled the subject matter well. It, ha- it handled the history well, and it couldn't be more timely. Whatever side of the political spe- spectrum you land on, I think anyone can see in this parallels with present day, both in terms of riots, in terms of racial questions, in terms of questions of police brutality, questions of governmental 
authoritarianism it's all in there and it's all yeah some of the parallels are, are, are scarily close to the present day and whilst that's partially coincidental uh this was a project that was originally meant to be by Spielberg in 2007 um, but was picked up again by Sorkin in 2016 after Donald Trump's election Hmm. Uh, so that there were some clearly some political reasons for that and I'm sure we'll go into it but but yeah on the whole topical good performances decently handled those are some of the things I like so Tell me about some of the things that you didn't like. I suppose I wasn't... I understand, and, and this is a lot more of an, an action didn't like as well, that the, the ending was a bit um, open. Um, and I think there was a few things very quickly glossed over. Two of the on-trial members were, I think, people probably acquitted in the sentence and never kind of really mentioned again. And, and things were glossed over very quickly in some aspects. But that was that was about it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, fair enough. There's what one did that, you like? There's there's a few things, but one of them I I don't know. I'd be interested to get your take on this because for those listening who don't know, Cameron is quite particular about the way in which time is represented in films. So <laughs> I, I can I can say it, but but you're not a Tom Hooper fan, right? I'm absolutely not. No, yeah. and one of th- one of the key reasons, uh, not to speak for you, uh, but one of the key reasons is. Uh, his portrayal of time about how there'll just be whole chunks of time that you don't even know are gone and then suddenly they're gone do you mean his um, lack of portrayal of time yeah, well, yeah exactly yeah so when i say no his, time exists exactly exactly um so <laughs> i did feel like obviously because of the length of the of the trial it was necessary to skip through but i feel like i i, I kind of lost lost a sense of time maybe that was intentional but i i feel like it it kind of melted together, but n- not in a way that I thought aided flow. Mm. So it was, it was, it was just kind of like, okay, wait, where are we at? Oh, and this is like a hundred days later. Is it? Oh, okay. Um, which is fine. That's just a minor gripe, not a massive issue. I, I thought that it, it didn't quite have perhaps the climax that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I felt like sometimes because of having such an all-star cast, I was anticipating performances because of how many characters are involved this already you've eight defendants and then you've got you know various different lawyers you've got the judge and so forth i felt like some of the performances were a bit diluted not diluted but they they were most people weren't given enough screen time in my opinion at least uh because there was so much ground to cover and so many people's stories to cover i think that they handled it pretty well but but I just, I felt like some characters got a little bit lost in the fray. But I mean, th- those are just kind of some minor points. Uh, I- I'm, I'm getting lost a little bit here. So uh, <laughs> w- w- would you recommend? Yes, 100%. I think I think it's necessary viewing, almost. Mm-hmm. I would also 100% recommend it too. I, uh, okay, right. Well, uh, those of you who have not seen it, this is the time to go and see it. And now we will come to full spoiler territory. So if you have not seen it, do not listen any further. Let's let's delve a little bit more into the the plot here. So obviously this is based on historical events. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll happily provide a bit of historical context if we want. Uh, I get lost a bit in the in the different figures. I think but, I think do because I yeah. I went and a lot of people I imagine, especially outside of America, will go into this not really knowing the historical context. Mm-hmm. Um, or around or even sometimes 
um, for example, during the, the, the John Kennedy talk between um, Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne, the kind of little fight they had, um, I think Ashley was very confused. Why does why why does why does the shooting of Kennedy make a difference? Right. Um, and so, like f- historical, I think is important because it might might provide some context for some people about the film. Sure. Um, so uh, I will do my best. So the the key year here is 1968. The trial itself is taking place in 1969, but 1968 is is the is the key year. It's a very important year historically speaking for lots of reasons. But the two, well, the two and one most important for this film, um, as they highlight in the beginning and they intersperse kind of original footage with, um, you know new dramatized footage which i think is always an effective technique it's not like it's anything novel or new we've seen this before but i i appreciated that so 1968 martin luther king jr is assassinated um which is obviously a, a deeply historically important moment uh it uh, says something about protesting and rioting style because of course martin luther king was a peaceful protester um, contrasted with, say, someone like Malcolm X. And so that kind of shocked the world. It was somewhat not expected because, but, but there was so much animosity, obviously, towards black people still, even at that time, that it was kind of expected, but still incredibly shocking and tragic. Also in 1968, you have the assassination of uh, President Kennedy, um, which is perhaps what is most pertinent to this film. Because uh, Kennedy is succeeded a few hours later, as is protocol, by Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson, who everyone then expects to run for president in 68 uh, as the Democratic candidate. But quite shockingly, he uh, gives a speech in which he explains that he is not going to even run for president for the Democratic kind of party nomination, which shocked a lot of people. Now, the backdrop of all of this is the Vietnam War, which has been waging for a number of years now. It's seen its way through uh, four or five different presidents. I would have to count in my head, but it's seen its way through a, uh, a number of presidents. It's deeply unpopular with younger people. As we know, that's the time of hippie culture, counterculture and so forth. And for those who aren't too clued up on the Vietnam War, essentially it was America's quite disgusting and unjust imposition of their authority in Vietnam as an effort to what they at least they perceived themselves as preventing the spread of communism. They essentially, uh, and this is a theme throughout the Cold War, Anywhere that looked like it could uh, go communist was essentially America considered their own political interest and they would interfere. And the Vietnam War saw the use of napalm, which is mentioned in the film, a horrible bomb that has this sticky kind of flame uh, that then attaches to your body and you essentially uh, burn alive. And so deeply unpopular war, innocent people being killed, all just to stop an imagined spread of communism. And so with Kennedy dead and with Lyndon B. Johnson saying he's not going to run for president, 
you then have a question, who is going to uh, lead the Democratic Party against Nixon? Now, Nixon ends up winning anyway. But the reason why the Chicago 7, 8 uh, and all of the other youthful protesters were there was because you had Hubert Humphrey, who was against the Vietnam War, going up against Eugene McCarthy, who, even though he was a Democrat, was for the Vietnam War. And so essentially the protesters are there and they're saying, look, uh, at this Democratic Party convention, trying to get the Democrats to, to realise that having Eugene McCarthy be their candidate, which he didn't end up being, having him be their candidate means that, that when Americans step up to the ballot, they have a choice between Nixon, who is for the Vietnam War, and McCarthy, who is for the Vietnam War. So what's the point in even, have, even having two parties when such an important issue is going to be the same across the board? And that's why they were there. That's essentially the historical context and backdrop. Does that, is that, does that make sense? Is that followable? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think, I think so. Cool. Yes. And then violence ensues. It seems like it was the police who did it, but the trial is, is meant to investigate and ultimately try and you know indict these uh, seven and eight sorry i keep saying seven but it's eight and we'll come to that but uh to ultimately indict them for for apparently starting yeah starting the violence but their their trial is based on the fact that they came from out of state yes that yeah and that's key legally that was the key because of course um anything that involves interstate stuff then becomes federal. So it becomes kind of federal government. And that's obviously a lot more serious. The penalties that are attached to that are a lot more serious. And yes, the idea is, is that they they crossed state lines from New York all the way to Chicago with the intention of inciting violence. And because it was then across state lines, that means federal punishment. So mm-hmm. yes, exactly. T- talk to me about what you thought about the way in which this was all dramatised and, and the plot and the way that the story developed. Well, I thought... I was a little bit surprised that we basically had the opening exposition montage um, where we're very quickly introduced to every kind of character, the organization, the students foundation, the hippies, the Black Panther Party, all that kind of stuff. We're very, very, very quickly introduced to each of those kind of characters. And then it seems like we're meet some we meet the bad guys, we meet Richard Schultz, federal prosecutor, and then we're in court. I was very taken aback by the how they revealed the riot and the events of the night slowly. Mm. But I mean, watching the film as a whole, I didn't feel necessarily robbed. I think obviously the point of the film is to focus on the trial. So they had to focus mainly on the trial because I think the the whole night could take a long time to set up. Yeah. Um, and you'd be looking at a three, four hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get it, but I was a bit surprised. Um, yeah. And then the trial happened, the trial started. And the, in the things I said, I did not like in the spoiler free section. It is my, my, my issues with the, especially the ending of the film does relate to time. You are right in that you get, very little context of how long between the riot and the trial like how long were they in prison or in bail yeah you get a very little context of how long i mean actually no i think the i mean i'm assuming the trial was over six months long yes yeah and at some point i think they end up in prison judging by the ending they come out in jumpsuits yeah yeah so there there were key things what i could perceive from audience from a from a non- for someone who had no knowledge of what the film was about, I think there were some key things missing from the plot. 
but I didn't feel until the end. I didn't feel shortchanged. I think because Aaron Sorkin wrote as well as directed this film. Um, I think he got really into it, and I was like, "Shoot, I've got to finish this really quickly. Got, <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of time." And just wrote last scene, blah, blah, blah. and there was a there was a scene or two in between that the last two scenes I think that were missing that could provide that little closure context for us, that little kind of ending. So yeah, I think the plot was good, but I think it started jumping too much at the end. The reveal about Tom Hayden basically inciting the riot through his oh, what's the non-verbal noun? Pronouns and noun modifiers. Yeah, that's the one. I'm terrible with English. Um, no, <laughs> even though I'm writing a book, I'm terrible with English. <laughs> um, that that kind of reveal was, I think, was really interesting, though a bit kind of American courtroom drama yes. style. But I think for the average viewer, I think that was still a very good kind of like, oh, dang, you know, that was still a very, it was still a very oh, dang moment. And I mean, I was sat there, I was like, Tom, you silly idiot. I think, I think the whole thing was, it was decently set up, but I think, I think it really loses itself or loses its way a little at the end. It just misses too much. you talk now <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no i i i agree with you i i thought that, that there were two moments that were a little bit too kind of courtroom dramery that were i mean i i, I don't mind kind of like a, a reveal um if it's done right this was i mean this was obviously at the heart of it this is a courtroom drama 90 percent of the um screen time is is in the court and i, I like that i like a good courtroom drama in you know and it, it knew what it was and it and it, it, it stuck to that. And I thought that using the riot itself only as context in the trial where necessary. Uh, initially, like you say, I, I was a bit I, I wasn't expecting that. But then once I settled into it, uh, even though I thought that the initial montage was a little bit too rapid, once I settled into it, I thought, oh, OK, fair enough. Like this is predominantly courtroom and um, it's not going to go chronologically. And that's that's cool. That, that's mm-hmm. fine. There were two moments. So there was the moment when they dawned upon them that their key witness was Ramsey Clark, uh, played by Michael Keaton, who had in kind of disrespect and protest resigned as the attorney general an hour before Julius Hoffman then became the new attorney general and that he might have things to say. And no, I was I, I don't know that that was treated like it was like oh, almost like it was a murder mystery and they they finally had had solved it or something it it was very kind of dramatized and i it didn't actually end up being too helpful <laughs> anyway uh, which is fine and then like you say there's this again sort of reveal that tom hayden potentially was responsible for inciting violence but then it was then kind of the implication was was that you know he actually meant to say you know if our blood must flow let it flow across the city and the impli- implication there is what they were trying to say was was that the implication was he meant if we're going to get beaten up let it happen across the city so that everyone can see but they know i don't know that they quite quite committed to that because it, it's kind of a historical interpretation we can only take his word for that Mm. Um, if that was then what he w- he was meant to say or meant to mean. So in a way, it leaves open perhaps unintentionally to what extent he was inciting violence. But yeah, these these reveals, I feel like, were, were done in a sl- slightly kind of cliche way. And I don't know, for me, ended up being a tiny, a tiny bit deflating. I don't think they quite had the, the punch that, that perhaps Aaron Sorkin was hoping for. But they weren't awful either. This isn't, you know, this is still, I think, a, a, on the whole, a pretty solid film. 
yeah on that let's 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 perhaps move on to some performances because obviously this is an all-star cast is there any uh, actors that you would like to single out that you thought were particular particularly shone frank langella probably I don't know. yes frank yeah. langella I, I, I want to start talking about him because, like I said in the opening, this might be the worst villain on TV that I've seen all year. I've never, like, almost hated someone more than this man. It was horrendous. If this, if if some of the wording is lifted straight from the um, recording of Court, and he really acted in this way, and was allowed to continue to act in this way, I, I can't. I'm I'm in disbelief at his appalling behaviour mm. and the smug self, like sense of self-righteousness mm. that is portrayed out of this character, out of the Judge Hoffman, and just the sheer craziness that he is. I couldn't I I couldn't I was just a lot of the a lot of the court. Me and Ashley were saying it's like I'm like, are you kidding me? This man is insane. How is he the one in charge of clearly bias um opinions? throwing out the testimony of richard clark was shocking yeah absolutely shocking and so obviously a government setup the i mean the whole thing in terms of i I, I want to circle back and the whole thing reeks of tampering and Mm -hmm. setup and they were obviously doomed from the very beginning because the government decided they were wrong and there was no way there was a you know um jury like in entrapments and 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 coercion and there was you know the evidence they bring out by someone in the crowd yes sure the (laughs) crowd um and there's all these different things that happen It's, it's so obvious that they were decided that they were guilty and there was no way they were getting themselves out of it. They just wanted to parade the seven in front of the public in the hope of swinging public opinion to the government side and not theirs. And and Frank Langella plays an absolutely appalling human being and he does it amazingly. I was disgusted with him. Mm-hmm. As I, sh- I think as we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you are on the side of the judge, I don't want you to listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> his behaviour is atrocious and mm-hmm. it's just... It's a, it's an incredible performance to be able to and um, brave to portray such vile humanity. Um, but he does it so convincingly and so vilely that I I felt just I felt violated watching watching it mm. uh, from a, from a character standpoint. So he, despite it being the bad guy, standout performance. It might it might, it might also be the writing, but this the animosity I felt towards him during that film was staggering no for sure i mean that's that's a sign of a good villain isn't it to what extent you get riled up by them even though you're somewhat subconsciously aware that this is fiction i found myself similarly infuriated by by the injustice of it and and the like you say the the just the 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 smugness of his character the 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 fact that he he clearly knew what he was doing but he was doing it anyway i was i was similarly infuriated <laughs> and and again and that's the sign of a of a phenomenal performance and um you've got to credit like you say writing as well um it was it was exceptionally done i i was yeah i was very impressed and it it, it was a very very good portrayal of someone who was very very bad i would at least did bad things mm. uh, so I, yeah a hundred percent with you on that one are there others that you would like to mention i think i we we both agree i for me at least i think that that was the standout performance but there are others that were very good. Are there any that you'd like to touch upon? I mean, I think I think a lot of the cast. I think um, Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. plays a really 
um, layered character in that you know he's the the hippie, the jokester, and he does these things and quite make people laugh. But deep down, he's a he's a cultured, thoughtful, mm-hmm. and thought provoking sort of character in terms of Abby. And I think that he does mean. I mean, he he himself is a very layered human. You know, he's famous for playing these offensive and quite satirical characters. Yet I've seen you know speeches that he's made at the UN where he's very articulate and very well read and mannered and he has a very different persona to what he's shown on the screen and so i think he i think he brings a bit of himself into the performance which i think is nice and interesting casting um, directors need a need a pat on the back there for that yeah really do um eddie was all right i'm not sure about his accent sometimes it was weird seeing him speak american <laughs> but Ed, you know i mean eddie's an oscar winner and he does he does a fantastic job and he has done for a lot of his movies so he was he was strong i thought joseph gordon levitt not a big role in in long terms not in in, in, no. in wide speak but i thought my desire towards the end of the film to see him do the right thing you know in the very last scene when they're all standing up to cheer the names of the of the fallen i was willing him to stand up i was like come on you like you can see the conflict inside you he portrayed that internal conflict across his face really well as the film progressed you know with the 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 bobby seal gagging and controversy there and the the blatant racism he was uncomfortable and he made a stand to tr- even though he was the prosecutor he made a stand to try and fix it it didn't work he didn't probably maybe didn't try hard enough but he i mean ultimately i don't know i i think wasn't as quick as it happened in the film but i i, I hope that it's that that sort of motion helped clear bobby seal from that court um and his and, and the abuse that he suffered but that inter- that internal pain i felt connected to it i felt i want maybe it's because i like joseph gordon of it i wanted him to do the right thing but you also you want people to do the right thing and and the the vi- the human rights violations and the abuse and the bullying and the racism were so blatant in that court that you sit there thinking how can you stand for this how can you say nothing and you know that richard schultz wants to or he's l- at least gordon plays him like he's he wants he's on the edge and on the cusp of becoming i can't do this anymore i'm walking away and i thought that was a very i mean i got drawn into like his little emotional journey towards mm-hmm. the end so i thought that was quite quite strong mm-hmm. um, throughout the thing as well yeah I, I i definitely think that there was some artistic license there from what i understand there isn't any record of not to burst your bubble or anything because it's fine because it's a film so they can take the license that they want i don't think there is any I, I think it's fictitious, uh, the the story of uh, Richard Schultz standing up during it. But I thought it was nice. Like you say, I mean, I'm I'm a Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. I particularly like him in The Dark Knight Rises. I, I think he's talented and very talented guy. He's good in other stuff as well. But I um, I particularly like him as Blake in, in The Dark Knight Rises. But yeah, I, I, I like that they, yeah, that they had that journey for his character. Again, I wish I could have gotten a bit a bit more of that but i think that was just symptomatic of having so many different characters to follow but it uh, you know it was it was a nice addition like you say you kind of willed him to to change and yeah. and he does and there is some satisfaction i i found some satisfaction in that who else do we want to touch on just to kind of talk about eddie redmayne a little bit um i i thought the accent was fine i, I don't have a very good ear for american accents though and i'm <laughs> terrible at one myself so i'm, I'm a poor judge on that one i i thought he was i I thought he did pretty well it's not like i don't even know if he's capable of a bad performance really i mean he's again a talented guy 
Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, I thought, like you say, excellent cast. I was I was actually a little bit apprehensive going into it because I was wondering how ridiculous he was going to take it. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, we, yeah. you know, he's he's obviously done some pretty ridiculous stuff, and he was playing a character who was decently, you know, eccentric and and iconoclastic and whatnot. And so I was hoping that he wouldn't just become too farcical. But I think he reined things in well enough. He was mm. still funny, still seemed true to the character, but but was serious when he needed to be serious and 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 credit to him for that i also i don't know how much you want to speak about this but but mark rylance again another person i don't know if he's even capable of a bad performance mark rylance i i love mark rylance i i i absolutely love mark rylance i think he's phenomenal i love him in dunkirk i love him in bridge of spies i even love him in the bfg to be honest um i i I think he is a bfg isn't he yeah he's he's so kind of versatile so talented and in and this was no exception i thought he was good a little bit and this was probably more the writing than anything like when he was like you know banging the book on the table and he, he was kind of you know sparring with frank langella like i it was very very kind of classic courtroom drama which you know a little bit cliche but i, I didn't mind it really um the one i, I want to talk about though is yaya abdul mateen um who played bobby seal who again i'm a, I'm a fan of he, he's in a, what, a watchman hbo series he's, he's exceptional in that he's in a number of other things but but again, I feel like even though he he didn't really have that much screen time, mm-hmm. I feel like he he did really well with what he had. And again, it could have been an over the top performance. It could have been kind of laying it on too thick uh, when it comes to the the racial injustice. But I feel like he played it so well. And an image that is going to stay with me is 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 that image of, of him bound and gagged in the courtroom. I mean, that was yeah. an incredible scene. Yeah. Um, and, and incredibly incredibly hard to watch and like, yeah. and and shocking and and he plays he plays um bobby seal with such a, a complex layer of injustice mm-hmm. he's like he's like i've got to he, he plays it this perfect way where it's like i've got to be i've got to be grounded i've got to be not what they expect me to be but right underneath that surface there is that just fury and anger at what he is suffering at mm-hmm. the you know the blatant crime where he's not being represented and not listened to and unheard and shut down. It's, it's a complete you know, failure of the, of the justice system. And he is not getting his dues. And he plays that so aggressively restrained. Mm-hmm. You really feel that he should just be bursting at the seams and just ripping things up because it's so egregious what's been done to him. But he plays it with that... That obvious, like, I'm about to tear things apart, but I need to be strong. Otherwise, mm. it's going to undo all of what Martin Luther King Jr. did and et cetera, et cetera. So, like, mm-hmm. it's it's a brilliant kind of line that he plays. He, he sits in that line the entire time that he's on screen, and it's really well done. I think, yeah. No, I think you described that very, very well. Yeah, holding that line. Because, of course, there are, there are plenty of outbursts, but then he kind of, you know, swallows his anger, sits back mm. down. Um, at, until we have that that final kind of outburst, which then causes him to be bound and gagged. Um, for anyone listening who's interested in the history of this as well, you can find online the original court artist sketches of him bound and gagged, um, which again just adds that layer of 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 reality to to this. It's it's worrying to think that that plenty of the people involved in this are still alive today. I mean, it's it's not this isn't ancient history. You know, this is 
Living memory for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, my dad would have been nine years old when this was happening. I mean, it's 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 recent history, and 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 yet, um, you know, he was bound bound and gagged. They only showed one instance of it, but it was, I believe, four or five days in the original trial. Yeah, yeah, which, uh, you know, (laughs) it just boggles the mind that that was so recent um, and so awful. So, yeah, I feel like his performance was was brilliant, sensitive to the the topic, um, portrayed a complex set of emotions bordering between kind of restraint and, and keeping the civil rights movement alive, but also not standing injustice and i i yeah very very good stuff very very good stuff there on that i we don't want to delve or at least i don't want to delve too much into this because ultimately we're interested in in film and we are interested in politics but that's not what we're here for (laughs) but i think it would be remiss of us to not at least touch upon the parallels between the events of this film and present day events we don't necessarily then need to you know get massively into the politics of it all but one cannot help but notice the parallels so you've got riots you've got violent riots you've got police brutality uh, you've got questions of race obviously i think that that in 1968 we we have much more overt and obvious racism there's questions of racism at the very least circling today and then you have the abuse of political power in america you know we have nixon as as president later involved in the watergate scandal someone who showed that he was uh, perfectly happy to use his powerful position to try to engage in narrative control i mean every president does that to some extent but then uh, appointing and grooming in some senses U.S. attorney generals to then uh, open up cases that had been closed and decided uh, so as to kind of, you know, change perceptions of, of counterculture and, and, and hippie culture and so forth and, you know, and change perceptions of the Vietnam War resonates, shall we say, uh, with the current political climate, with what presidents are willing to do uh, in order to control narratives also media coverage you know this is an era where i mean media coverage has always been important ever since the french revolution but but um but particularly in the latter half of the 20th century in this 21st century the importance of media coverage in politics is is so wonderfully done in this film and so pertinent to today's politics that yeah um we don't have to go any further i don't know if you have any more to say on that that was just a just a drawing of some parallels like i say we don't want to get too political but they were striking shall we say the parallels yeah i think i think if you have an ear to what's happening in the world across the world not just in america today and you watch this film you will see that we probably haven't progressed as far as you think we have and it's 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 saddening you know i was disgusted with what i saw on screen as i should be as everyone should be by the behavior of some of the characters and i can fully imagine i expect that happens in some vein some vein across courtrooms and across countries and um, um, today i think and that's why i said that i love that this film was raw this film shows police brutality it shows how quickly peaceful demonstrations can get out of hand um but it shows that you know how we remark i remarked that you know it, 
the the standoff nature because of political pressure it created that tension and you can see it happening in the world today but i loved that they didn't shy away from showcasing the violence that that comes from from these acts from from violent clashes and i think it can be hard viewing to watch people just beaten but i think it's a necessary um, learning curve for us if we were to progress beyond this style of, of um, the way the world is. So I think it's a raw view of the 60s and that parallels a lot to today's society. And there's some lessons to be learnt, but I will leave those lessons to each individual person to take away from themselves what they want. Yeah. No, and I think that's, yeah, that's wise. Did you have anything that you would like to say about the music? I wasn't really paying attention to the music myself. Um the music was very minimalist um, okay. from my recollection and I think it is good because it focuses a lot more the the point of this film is to understand what's being said and what's being done and to feel that sort of tension and I think the writing and it's very good writing Aaron Sorkin does a very good job in writing a lot of this aside from the the last scene which he never really spoke about it but it's getting a lot of heat but the music is very minimalist and or non-existent in a lot of places that I can remember but I think that's right to f- the, the material is so strong in itself it doesn't need a compliment it needs you to focus on it it needs you to see and hear and feel and be stuck in that courtroom with them and I think without music you can do that and so I think they got the level of relatively unremarkable quiet subtle music right because you needed to be stuck with that that context and that writing in the courtroom and that's what they did yeah no uh, well that's probably why I didn't really notice it to (laughs) to be honest (laughs) is because of course it was it was dialogue heavy you know um writing heavy and it, it was it was um obviously the main focus was the trial and mm-hmm. you know the cross-examinations the the objections the the storytelling and and, and so it well not you can do storytelling with music as well i guess but the main focus was what was being said rather than you know using image and and music to evoke you know whatever certain feelings and so forth perhaps like you say with the exception of the end so uh fair fair mm-hmm. short one on music shall we hop on over to our favorite corner is that paul's critics corner it is indeed so this is doing well i expected it to be doing well it is an eight currently on imdb very solid score it's a 76 meta score which again very very solid as meta scores go uh, it really begins to come into its own on Rotten Tomatoes, however, it has a 94% critics scoring and a 92% audience score, which are obviously both exceptionally high. Mm-hmm. So it's getting a lot of love. It's getting both from audiences and from critics. So there's no kind of dichotomy here. It's, 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 doing, it's doing well, doing impressively. With that, particularly with critics in mind, I was interested on your thoughts with regards to awards. Because, and I'll just explain my position here, I I personally, I don't see, well, first of all, can it, I suppose it, it will be possible to be Oscar nominated because it's been released in cinemas as well, hasn't it? I, I heard that it was, but I'm not sure where it was. Okay. I'm sure this type of film, it'd be very surprised to me if they didn't, because you have to release it for, I think, a certain yeah. amount of time and a certain coverage for it to then qualify as as then an Oscar nominatable film. And but I personally see this potentially being overlooked. I, I feel like it was strong, but I, I, I don't know that it's going to generate enough of a buzz. And I feel like because there were so, so many cast members, I mean, I don't even know how, I mean, maybe Eddie Redmayne, maybe Sasha Baron Cohen could get a 
best actor nomination they're not going to i don't i don't think but in terms of every almost everyone would get probably a supporting nomination if they did get a nomination <laughs> because of screen time issues so but i i just i don't yeah i don't see it ge- generating enough of, a, of an oscar buzz we'll see maybe I mean, maybe the thing is, I, the screenplay, it, but, but yeah. the question you've got is, what, <laughs> what else is there? No, that is, the Oscars, what else is going to be out? <laughs> that is actually a very good point. Maybe through lack of competition, it might then uh, <laughs> score through See, a few nominations. I, I'm, I'm not leaning. I'm, I think it will. I think it okay. deserves. I think probably Eddie, just because he's an Oscar winner, Sasha, Mike and Frank, I think both those three should get supporting Oscar noms um I I know saying why does Frank get a nom but that performance was something else well for me if if anyone I I, I'm skeptical about it getting nominations but if anyone I think deserved a nomination it would be it would be Frank Langella best supporting um I definitely think it'll get a screenplay nom I again I think it, it as a nom I don't know if it think it I don't know if I, I think it deserves like a win for screenplay, but I it's definitely kind of screenplay it's nomination. Definitely nom- it's definitely nomination level. Yeah, but I, th- I, I don't know. I, I think purely because of lack of competition, it'll get a picture nom, but it won't win. Okay. It, it, it shouldn't It shouldn't win. I, but oh, I, I mean, I don't know what else is coming out this year or has come out this year that could that could um, challenge it because a lot of the top films we've probably seen this year are 2020 oscars not 2021 oscars honestly there's very little that that can challenge it right now in terms of what i've seen this year and i've well, and i've seen a lot of films already um, <laughs> so i i i definitely think if it qualifies for a nom i think picture screenwriting and three supporting actors if not two well the great thing about predictions is that then with time we can see if they come true. So uh, we will have to do uh, a Keep when the Oscar this. nominations come out. We're uh, we're gonna have to uh, yeah, gonna have to see whether which one of us was right. Uh, maybe, if, maybe we do an episode where we comment on each of the nominations we find. Yeah, I think that that would be yeah, that'd give be good. Our, give our analysis of like that's a joke. Or what yeah. that movie? Or that's, that's right. Yeah, I mean we should do an Oscar nomination uh, episode. There we go. We'll do an Oscar nomination special, and when we do, we will uh, we will make sure that we reference this episode and see Wind how things yeah how things stand out. Okay, so quick summary, and uh, and then let's get to some scores. All right. Overall, I think this was a very poignant, relevant, hard hitting film. I think it is. I will actually say a must see. Um, I mean, you guys are indoors anyway. What, where are you going to go? <laughs> go to your Netflix and watch this film. I do think it's really poignant. I think I do think it's for mature audiences. Yes. Um, this is very much a grown up kind of film. You really need to be awake and alert and paying attention. Put your phones away at home. Really focus on the content. The performances are great. This does have. I might even say it, the best villain on on movies in 2020. <laughs> 2020's best villain is in this is in this in, in this film, and it's it's a hard watch, but I think it's really really relevant. The ending does let it down. It does fall a bit wet. Um, they cut a lot of context at the very end. They kind of, like I said, randomly. I I I said, why is only five at the desk? And Ash was like, there's two acquitted. I'm like, when did that happen? So you can miss something very quickly. I didn't. I didn't hear or know they were acquitted until the very end. And I'm with Ashing on this that I don't quite like the tone that was set at the very end of the film, the cheering and the the victory they have by reading the fallen. Because I think that I'm I'm, I'm not sure if that's historically accurate. If it is, 
then I think I it know. deserves a place. If it's not historically accurate, I think that was artistic license a step too far. And I think that kind of last last scene will leave you on a, on a note that you weren't expecting of the film, um, which slightly robs of the experience. But aside from that, the film is a really powerful, intense watch that I think people need to be watching today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Again, as I always say, I, I would echo much of what you said. I feel like this is overall, it was a pretty decent uh, film. I feel like it was very topical. Um, I enjoyed the parallels with present day. I thought that overall the performances were solid. If not, there, there was a little bit lacking lacking there in terms of screen time for everyone. I'm not sure that that anyone in particular was given a proper time to shine, but overall solid performances. I thought Frank Langella did an excellent job as the uh, the antagonist. And there were some issues, like you say, with the ending, with the way time was done in the film. And for me, there was, there was a, you know, some cliches thrown in there. The reveals I felt were a bit cliche, but overall, I feel like it handled its, its historical kind of historical material quite, quite, quite well. So yeah, overall, a, a decently solid film. And yeah, given how dry everything has been in terms of cinema and Netflix these days, just, yeah, just watch it. it, it it's definitely <laughs> worth a watch. I mean, if you, you know, there's, if there's nothing much else on and, and no, nowhere to go because of lockdown, there are definitely much worse things you could be doing with your evenings. So yeah, okay. I'm very interested to see where we go in terms of, of numbers. So, so, oh, no. so, I think we should also introduce decimals. I, th- I think not necessarily now, but 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 I or oh, we can now. I I feel like I need decimals because sometimes just putting it just to a, a whole number ah, it doesn't quite doesn't quite do it for me. So so go on, put a number on it. I would give this film uh, eight point two. Oh. Nice. I think that, like I said, it's a solid, solid film, hard watch, great performances and a really, really well crafted story considering the climate we're in. In terms of a bus, this is the kind of bus that you that you need on a cold winter's day. You're you're standing in the bus stop, you're shivering, you're waiting you're, and it arrives. It's nice and quiet. It's quite warm. The heaters are working. It's it's the USB plug works so you can charge your phone on the go. Though the bus towards the very end of the journey, you start stopping at every stop and it starts to get a little <laughs> bit more packed and a little bit more annoying and there's less space for you to hang out. And so you get off the bus in your journey at a decent pace, but you feel a bit like, oh, okay, that last that last two, three stops was just a nightmare. But apart from that, it's been a wonderful ride. So, yeah, 8.2. Where are you Fair going? Play. Are you going higher or lower? Because normally you go lower these days, so... <laughs> What do you mean these days? No, <laughs> I've done, I've done, I've done films higher than you. Not, not recently, to be fair. But, um, but yeah, I w- would it be? I, I, it's I perhaps ironic that I uh, one of the things I, I put as a negative for the film is cliche. But would it be cliche of me to go for a seven? W- would that be? <laughs> I mean, it's your feelings. Go for what you want. Yeah, I, for me, it's it's somewhere in and around seven territory. Depending on what mood I'm in, I might kind of flitter between a six point nine and a seven point one or two. Oh, so I think, oh. out of fairness, I will I will I will go on a I, I will land on a seven. And given the film's title, um, I feel like that's only <laughs> that's only right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I feel like it's seven for me is just really solid 
that that's a it's a good number and in terms of bus i feel like you know it's 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 a bus where you have someone not very nice mouthing off the the bus driver uh, because they don't have the right change, but the bus driver can't let them on. And But they're being really rude about it. And then you eventually pluck up the courage and you go and ask them to settle down. And you feel kind of a rush afterwards. But then the bus journey ends up letting you down just a little bit. Ends up, uh, you know, like you say, stopping at every stop. And so there's a good, you, you feel a sense of of uh, righteousness on, on, on the bus trip. But, but ultimately, it's not kind of plain sailing, you know going somewhere happy type bus ride so so on the whole on the whole good but uh but yeah i think a, a seven is is where i'd where i'd put it i feel like historical dramas are, which is ironic just for some context for listeners and this can be a final point i so uh, as i've mentioned in some podcasts I, I i studied history for my for my undergraduate uh but ironically perhaps i feel like cameron is more of a historical drama type type man when it comes to films than I am I mean I love I love a good kind of historical and and obviously courtroom drama as well but this is you know it's right up your street isn't it in terms of uh yeah ever since ever since spotlight 2016 I have loved good real events real Mm. kind of real real story films and I think this is this is up there it's no spotlight it's no official secrets no but it's it's a powerful story and I mean, I just think, though, am I too generous with my ratings? I worry now that um, you're always no. so much lower. You're always like a point at least lower than me. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends. Depends on the film. Ironically, didn't I give Le Mans 66 a higher rating than you? You probably did, actually, yeah. yeah. Probably. <laughs> so I think, I think it depends on the film. Um, but, uh, but as we spoke about last time, trying to be something of a critic doesn't necessarily mean being overly critical often it's more of a virtue than people realize to be able to find the good in a film yeah rather than just kind of you know slating it so so maybe you just extol that virtue (laughs) (laughs) so the the trial of chicago seven have you seen it and if so please comment we love it when people get involved some people have gotten involved on 1917 in the comments Mm -hmm. we really enjoy seeing what people think it always astounds us when someone has like the complete polar opposite view to us and we love to hear about why uh so please do let us know what you thought of this um don't forget to leave us a like and please share when you listen to our episodes that is the best way we're going to grow as a podcast so please 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 if you listen share on social media on instagram or facebook and tag at critics on a bus um so we can see that you've been listening and share with your friends thank you we'll see you in the next one bye thanks for listening don't forget to check us out on facebook and instagram we'll see you next time